go, but the Lord allows us to extend in that area of giving. And then one other thing just thrilled my heart this week as I went to a couple of light, different life groups uh, was just the, uh, the, the joy of watching people do life together. And, you know, listen, we all live crazy, wild lives. And uh, I really think that God really looks for us to do things at the speed of life. Uh, it's, we don't just stop and act like we don't have all the other things that have to go on in our life. But uh, it's just exciting to watch how people are discovering that ministry is not bound in the middle of a church building on a Sunday morning, but it is something that is done every day, everywhere with everybody that we come across. Uh, and uh, it's the church is not limited to a name on a building, uh, but it's limited to the name of Jesus and everybody that calls upon his name. And so it, it's just, as I listen to them talk, I could just hear how they're reaching out. They're praying for their circle of influence. They're, they're reaching out and touching the lives that God has providentially put around them. And uh, if you're not connected in a life group, you want to get connected in a life group, hey, this is what one of these grow cards are for. You can just fill it on the back and we'll make sure to connect you up with, you know, the best of our ability to connect you with people that are, you know, somewhat like-minded, life situation, that type of thing together. We're going to finish this morning, though, on this sermon series called Growth. And if you'll remember, I've said it every week, our main series connect uh, when it comes to spiritual growth is it's not what you do, it's what you... Great. Let's try that one more time. It's not what you... It's what you discover. Now, as we, as we go in today, I, I, I'll be honest with you, I struggled today in, in regards to the topic. I knew the Lord was taking me here. I said, okay, Lord, we got to really simplify, simplify, simplify. And, uh, and it wasn't even until this morning as I'm just still praying, saying, okay, Lord, how are we going to really help each of us to recognize this discovery that you have for us? And the Lord brought back to my remembrance a TikTok video. Now, how many can relate to that? Yeah, I mean, that's speed of life right there. You just, you're just going and you're like, oh, Lord, have mercy. And, and here's the thing about what we're going to talk about today. When you, when you first start to learn to drive, uh, one of the things that you, you learned, hopefully you learned this, is that you don't just look right out in front of your end of your car. You've got to get your eyes up a little bit and look down the road. They actually say that you actually need to look between 10 and 15 seconds down the road. And so what we're going to talk about today really is about lifting our eyes and beginning to look in the right direction that really helps us. Because uh, while I say that, we simultaneously have this crazy thing that goes along with our culture that you may realize it or not, that it's easy to fall into. It's an easy dynamic of our life that if we're not careful, it's really controlling and it's disappointing. And we end up really going through life uh, missing all that God has for us. And it's simply this. It's, it's something called... Uh, uh, destination addiction. Destination addiction. Now, we're, our whole nation is, is, believes in the right of, of liberty and the pursuit of happiness. And, and what happens in this whole um, um, destination addiction is that we believe in this pursuit of happiness, that happiness is over there. Happiness is not something that you actually quite get to. And so we, we get this preoccupation and ultimately we always suffer from a lack 
of the happiness. We suffer from a lack of enjoyment in the day. And so what happens oftentimes, and maybe this, you, this is your life, is that rather than enjoying the day, your main goal is like that little kid on a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're just trying to get through the day. And so much of life goes by where we don't fulfill or we don't walk out the destiny, the plan that God ultimately has in store for us. People put on their bucket list. This is what I'm going to do. These are the things I'm going to do when I get out of high school or I get out of college or I get married or after we get married, after we have kids. And the whole time you're saying, when I get money, when I get money, when I get money, when I get money, when I get money. And I'm telling you, having gone through all of that and gotten rid of kids, there's a short space of time where you have a little more money and then grandkids come along and that's gone. But when you're looking forward, it also allows you to enjoy your surroundings because you're not so fixated on one thing that you miss the totality that God has for you literally in every day, which is why I want to start in Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm not going to read all the scriptures. I'm going to read the first verse, and then I'm going to jump down and read starting at verse 5. And Paul said, And you were dead in the trespass of, and sins in which you once walked. Even when you were dead in your trespass, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. For by, um, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And so Paul gives us this picture that I really want us to really be this launching point. And the connect for it today is simply this. If it's not what you do, it's what you discover. Here's the key component that you, can, you need to discover today. And you need to discover the resurrected life. Now, I've had a couple conversations of people who are experiencing uh, end of life and, and, and the loss of life. And, I, and I'm here to tell you, I look forward to the day that our bodies are physically resurrected. If we're not careful, though, if we live the destination addiction, we're going to think that life is there and then, not here and now. So there's this, this crazy dynamic where, that we live in where our eyes have to be looking forward and we have to be looking toward where we're going while simultaneously recognizing that we're already there. Now, if that didn't confuse you just a little bit, let it sink in because it's a crazy dynamic. So Paul, he said in that scripture, not that we will be raised up, but they, that we are raised up. He, he raised, raised, past tense, raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, here in a moment, we're going to partake of communion together. Uh, and I just, I just want to let you know that this part, partaking of communion has everything to do with us making sure that our eyes are on the road. Now, I didn't ask his permission, but I'm going to do it anyway. 
my older brother was a horrible driver. Maybe you've met somebody like this. When we would ride together, he'd be, he'd be talking, and he would be talking and driving like this. Now, me and, me and the passenger seat, I'm doing this. I kid you not, his, he, he had a 1971, I think, believe it was a 71, green Maverick. And the only place on this car that was not dented was on the passenger roof, because he rolled it over on the, the other roof. When he, got, when he started going about 40 miles an hour, his front fenders would start doing this, just like that, because he hit things. I mean, he hit things. Spiritually, that's people's lives. They hit things because they get their eyes off the target. Communion is that faith piece that brings us back to what we have tethered ourselves to, what we have connected ourselves to, what, where really our internal compass is set is that way, which is why Jesus said, do it often. Because we always need to be recalibrated because we're driving along and we start doing this. And it's not long before we hit something and we have an unforeseen problem in our life that we wish we didn't have because we got our eyes off. So when Paul is bringing this, this whole portion of Scripture, he started off, he, he, he basically said, understand where you've been because we once all walked, we were dead. We were all, our whole, whole lives were a wreck, right? And we came and we said yes to Jesus. And when you say yes to Jesus, you, you, you find that he's, he makes this memorial moment where we, it's called water baptism, where you die to the old self and you are raised to a new, what? A newness of life. You no longer walk as you used to walk, just glancing around everywhere, but now you're raised to a life where your direction is set. And when you discover the resurrected life, you're going to find you're more instinctively coming back to this center point more and more often and saying, wait a minute, going there. Yeah, I got these challenges going on, but I'm going here. This is the destination. This is where I'm going. And the, and the moment you said yes to Jesus, we were given the Holy Spirit who now tethers us to eternity. Do you realize that when you die and, and, and when you're resurrected again, that you'll still have the same spirit that is inside of you now? The Bible says the spirit that came upon us in the new birth will be with us forever because we're going to ever be tethered to our heavenly father, tethered to literally true north. But Paul said that we were raised up and we are seated with him. And so we now have this new position. There's this new place that we can step into and say, wait a minute, I'm now seated with him. And this position now is, yeah, I got stuff to work through. I have challenges in this life. I have problems in this life. But now this life can't kill me because I'm alive and evermore already with him because I'm sitting with him. And the beautiful part about that is now, now my position is assured. Whatever you've gone to the Lord about in prayer, if you believe that ultimately that the only way you're going to receive the prayer that you are asking for is if you don't sin, you're never going to get your prayers answered. But if you believe that 
Jesus Christ and his blood paid for your sin, now you're beginning to think about and understand your position, and you now begin to pray with some boldness. You begin to ask for bigger things. Now watch this with me. Now you don't, you know, people who just focus totally on their lives are just focused right in front of the car. And they're not, they're not really got their heads up. They got to think, I've got to, I've got to maneuver my life in a way that I don't wreck. And so you, you find yourself in a constant state of correction. It's a pretty jerky life to live. But when you understand the power of the blood of Jesus to wash away your sin, so much so that you don't have to wait to heaven to be in heaven, but you're already tethered there, your seating is already there, and in the spirit you're already there, now I can lift my eyes and look down the road a little more. Now I don't have to be so focused on me. That's why the discovery piece is so critically important. But the other thing that begins to happen, and I, I, I think probably if I just had a bunch of boxes, it would really help. Because I think the other thing that happens when we know that we've been raised and we're seated with him, do you know what happens? Is our perspective begins to change. We begin to look at things differently. You don't look at things from a worldly view. Now you begin to look at things through a, uh, a eternal view. Now you begin to look at it and say, wait a minute, I, I, the Lord helped me discover this, and now I'm, I'm seeing things even different than I did last week or last year. Because now I'm recognizing that while the world has all of its problems, I've been put in a place where there are people that don't know what they're doing, and there are people who look to the one who knows what he's doing, but I also know that in the end, everything's going to be okay because he will make everything right. And so my perspective begins to change. And so what I want to do before we kind of move into the grow piece is I want, to, I want us to come to the place of communion. Worship team, I, they didn't go far because they knew they were going to come back and sing another song. And so I want you to pull your communion out. Because, because if, you're not, if you're not tethered, if you're not tethered in that place of eternity through faith, you're never going to discover the resurrected life. And what tethers us is not our goodness. It's not our own ability. It's only what Jesus Christ did at the cross. And so before we partake, I've asked them, if you know the song, great. I'm not asking you to sing the song, but what I really want you to do is listen to the words to this song because it speaks everything that Christ has done when his blood is applied in our life. It allows us to literally keep our heads up and focused on eternity so that we can live the resurrected life.
brought me from the darkness into glorious light. take the bread that is in the cup as you're preparing that if there's anything where you find that you are struggling remaining tethered uh, sometimes it's a physical thing sometimes it's an emotional thing sometimes it's a it's a thought process and you you keep getting distracted by it I think the lord wants us to go to him in prayer and say lord as we partake today would you come and would you just heal that would you just come and correct that? Would you come and make that right? And so, Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you are one who has, uh, you have already done the work. Yet, Lord, we find ourselves at times uh, distracted um, through the things of this life, whether it's physical healing or emotional healing, thought process, whatever it might be. God, we just look to you to come through your healing power and bring healing and wholeness to us right now in Jesus' name. It's you and you alone, Lord, that bring it. So we just receive that right now in Jesus' name. It's a sign of our faith. Let's partake together. As we prepare to take the fruit of the vine, it's this constant reminder, it's, it's not what we've done, but when we discover it's what he's done that makes all the difference in the world. And so, Lord, we just come and we say yes to you. Thank you for your accomplishments. Thank you, Lord. The only reason that we are tethered to eternity is you. And so we receive that. Help us, Lord, to, to keep our, our sights on you. We give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Let's partake together. Big part of communion is just this continual reminder that what Jesus did back then is applied to the here and now because I'm assured of the there and then. So how do we how do we grow into this resurrected life? How do we live? day by day, uh, even when we're screaming and, and when we're smiling, 
this resurrected life. Let's kind of want to go back to the first chapter of the book of Ephesians. And I want to read picking up in verse 15. Paul says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So Paul just, he just kind of explodes out into this prayer that is probably for me one of my most favorite portions of all of scripture because it's so incredibly rich. But in here are some incredible pieces that help us to really live this resurrected life every day. And it starts when he says these words. He said, he said, the eyes of your hearts being enlightened. That's what, that's what his prayer was. And that, that word enlightened in the Greek is photizo, where we get photo. There's this picture that comes into our hearts as we pray. What's the picture? Well, the picture can be all sorts of things, but he, he kind of names them here in a moment and we'll get to them. But before we get to that, this picture in our hearts, our hearts are filled with all kinds of pictures. I want you to take your hands and do this. Because I want you to think about what, what he talks about, the eyes of our hearts. I want you to think about that as a bowl. And the enemy will always do what he can to make sure that the bowl of your heart is full of pictures that will cause us to turn our eyes away from where we're tethered. We get Every time, in fact, you watch a commercial on TV, what they're trying to do is to fill the eyes of your heart with an understanding that you're going to be a lot better off with their product. That's marketing 101 in a nutshell. And yet it goes further than that. Our, our flesh says, well, I, I, I want this kind of life. This is If we could just get to where we have so much money in the bank, or if we could just get this. In fact, it was interesting. Yesterday, Clarissa and I, I took her to yard, out yard sailing, and uh, we went to an estate sale. And we, we go to this, this, this house, and this, this was going to end up being really big to fit into my hand. I'm walking up to this house, and I went, this stinking nice house. I mean, it, it had it had plenty of room around it. It had a, a, a pond off to the right. It had this kind of upper lawn and a lower lawn with swings. I don't have kids, but I'd keep the swings there just because it looks cool. And you notice I already put myself in that yard. And, and then you walk in, and there's these 24-foot high ceilings. And, and I, walk, I walk back into the, the kitchen area, and, and now I'm not looking at the stuff they're trying to sell. I'm just looking at this house, and they have these 12-foot high uh, uh, windows that go all the way around this kitchen area. And by the way, I could live in a glass house. I love feeling like I'm outside. And so, you know, because this that stuff really ultimately didn't interest me in looking at that stuff, I just went back out and sat in the car. And 
as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking and going, yeah, that would be pretty cool. You know, that's just something. And Clarissa comes out and she gets in the car and she says, boy, did you look at that house? I said, yeah. She goes, you go in the master bedroom? I said, no, and I'm glad I didn't. Because what was happening is, is we, when, you, when you walk into that moment, all of a sudden the eyes of your heart can go, man, life would be so good if. And, and, and so I said to Clarissa, I said, you know, here's the thing I think that does happen in these moments. I think if you recognize it, while, while your flesh is trying to fill that, God is still there. And here's what I said to Clarissa. I said, you know, that's the beautiful thing about eternity is that every feeling that we had when we walked through that house is a feeling of eternity. And the enemy will attempt to get us to enlighten our hearts that that a life is to be adjusted and lived to fill that in the here and now. And I don't know how many times over the years you and I have seen train wrecks where people's whole focus was to fill up the here and now because they didn't think about the there and then. And so what Paul is doing is saying that our hearts need to be enlightened about the correct things, the right things. And so it's always good for us to pray, say, Lord, help make sure that the eyes of my heart are not filled with the things that are wrong. I'm a strong believer that it's in this place. The eyes of our, uh, the eyes of our heart is where God does intersect with us. And the better we get, that's why fasting becomes important. That's why watching what goes into your eyes and your ears, watching what you put your hands on, walking, watching where you walk, all that, all that protects that place where God intersects us with. And if, the, if that place of intersection is filled with everything of this world, then it crowds out what God is ultimately trying to say, do, and direct in our life. And so Paul's prayer, this is, this is for saved people. This is for people who are tethered uh, with eternity, but he wants them to walk this, this resurrected life. He wants them to daily live where they're, they're enlightened with, with, he says, there really are three main pictures that he wants. And, and he uses these words. These are good words to mark in your Bible. He, he uses the words, what is, and then he, he uses the word, what are, and then he uses again, what is. And so there's a singular component, there is a plural component, and then there's another singular component. He starts off, he says that you may know what is the hope to which he's called you. Okay, that is a life with him. That's a life that, that now I've been called to live a life with him because my hope isn't in my ability. It's not in my, in my, in my own righteousness. It's fully and completely in him. And so when I live that way, now I grow in it. In fact, what you find in this, in this chapter, if you, if you really look at the first part of this chapter, 10 different times, Paul uses some variation of in Christ. And I'm sure glad it's in Christ because then it's not, it's not on me because it's in Christ. Even when Jesus was water baptized, the heavenly father said, here's my beloved son in him. I am well pleased. And so the hope isn't in my ability, it's fully and completely in him. And now what happens is I, it's the opposite of despair. Now I'm living a life that is optimistic. That while, that while that you may have a life that, like my brother's car, it rattles and it's got dents everywhere, you're still going forward because you know when you get there, it's all going to be fine. Everything that you had hoped for. The side effect of that is that this world has a, a, a less ability to hold you back, to pull you from side to side. You grow in this life. But he also says, 
what are the riches of the glorious inheritance in the saints. Okay, so where it really starts with with him, then it moves for him. What Paul is saying here is, is, is twofold. There's a double meaning here. The first and most important meaning is that everybody in this room, go ahead and look around. Now, this is one of the things I love about Bethel. There's always such incredible variety at Bethel. You got to look around at all the variety. Smile at somebody who looks totally different from you. Smile at them. Best you can. All over the world, people have been redeemed to become Jesus's inheritance. That Jesus will be able to, to scan the how many millions, billions there are that have been redeemed throughout history and know that all of that is his. That means when you look at yourself in the mirror and the enemy starts telling you how horrible you are and how old you're getting and look at that new wrinkle, whatever it is he tells you, you are Jesus' inheritance. And, and the reason we have hope is because he's got something for me. He's going to take me, and I don't know what this looks like in heaven, but he's going to take you and he's going to take me and he's going to put it on the shelf. And he's going to say, this is what I've created. This is the result of my blood and my power. And he will get the joy of you and I throughout all of eternity. Now, the double meaning in this is that while we are his inheritance, look around once again at everybody. That means that every person that has said yes to Jesus, and even those who haven't, there's already a preciousness in them. And there's a beauty in them. And that they are, because they're treasured by Jesus, I'm going to be careful how I deal with them. Because they're not mine. They're his. Now I begin to say, all right, Lord, since all of this is yours, now I really want to step into and I want to live out this redemptive plan that you have for my life. That's why, you know, we talk so much about uh, igniting change in hundreds who will ignite change in thousands. It isn't because we think that's cool. It's because we believe that every time the Lord Jesus Christ brings somebody into his redemptive plan, it's so that they can receive it and they can begin to recycle it. So they can begin to add to and, 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 and bring that redemptive plan into their circle of influence. That's why it's so thrilled me being in the small groups this week and listening to how that has taken place in different lives. Because, because we have this life with him, but it's not just with him now, it's for him. We want to make sure that we are doing and accomplishing the things that God has called for us to do. But then he comes back to and he says, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe. Because that's another beautiful part of Paul's writings is here he uses the words immeasurable greatness. I don't know what you measure greatness by. It just kind of depends what you look at, right? You may think of a house as being great or an athlete as being great or whatever as being great. Um, But Paul says it doesn't even come into anything close to our comparisons. And what is this greatness? This power that is working toward us to make us into the people that he wants us to be. And so, again, I could preach a whole sermon just on this discovery. When you recognize that there's a power that's working toward you, when you discover that, you will stop trying to do in yourself, in your own power, to make yourself like he wants you to be. It's this yes mentality. It's saying, Lord, what you want. 
And the more I live that, there's this power that's helping me to overcome this sin, to come overcome this angst, helps me overcome this problem, helps me overcome the things that so oftentimes hold me back and do disgrace towards the Lord as opposed to grace and honor towards the Lord. So Paul said that is a group, that's, that is an immeasurable power. So what does that look like? Well, that's the whole goal part of it. When we, when we understand that this resurrected life, uh, there, there, there are three components to it that just make it really simple, and it's all, the whole book of Ephesians. It's the restoration, it's the transformation, and it's the elevation. Uh, the restoration is just, Paul said it again at the beginning of chapter 2. You were dead in your sins. You used to walk that way, but now you're alive and you've, you've got this life. Well, the restoration is now I worship. Now I'm one who is looking to and lifting up the name of Jesus wherever I go and whomever I'm with because he's the one who's brought me out of death into life. So I'm going to constantly come back to this place of worship because I am alive in him. And let me tell you something. Every time you worship, you are looking at him. And you cannot help but when you look at him, but be risen up. And so then, what does that do? It takes you from this place of restoration, and you begin to see this transformation. What's so beautiful about the writing of Paul is in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, I urge you, brothers, now therefore walk, uh, walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called. We're restored people, so now we begin to be transformed into what we were created to be. This everyday life, we begin to live and look like Jesus. We begin to love like Jesus as the fruit of the Spirit becomes more and more evident in our life. All of a sudden, we become people of peace. All of a sudden, we become people of, of joy. We become people who are loving wherever we're going. And then we're also like Jesus in the fact that now we're ministering wherever we're going. What's so beautiful about uh, part of Paul's writings in this book of Ephesians is he talks about the manifold wisdom of God. And that word manifold wisdom of God, it has to do with color. And they, in the Greek writing, they use that word uh, to describe the different kinds of flowers. Again, look at the people in the room. Each of you are a beautiful flower. No, here's what Paul says. Paul says that the manifold wisdom of God will do a, a variety of color, a variety of different things, and he will place it right in the middle, like on this stage, so all of the enemy can look and just boo and cheer, jeer and push away because he, from the foundation of the world, has had a plan to glorify himself through the manifold wisdom, the people of God, and all of our variety uh, of different backgrounds and looks and so on and so forth. But in order for that to take place, we have to love like Jesus and we have to live like Jesus. But then comes the elevation. The elevation, ultimately now, because, because we literally begin to get raised up, now now, um, as I'm going to quote, I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but I'm going to quote from Star Wars. I don't know, we remember which one it was, but it's when Obi-Wan Kenobi was, I had the high ground, and Anakin had the low ground, and he tried to get him to stop because you can't win when, you're, when you don't have the high ground. And that's what happens with us. When we, when we are raised in the heavenly places, we have the high ground. So that means we don't war like the world wars. We don't go after things like the world does. We don't, when the world goes after it with hate, we're able to go after it with love. 
Paul said in Ephesians 6 and verse, uh, I guess verse 9, he says, he says, um, he says that we don't wage warfare, uh, uh, like others, but we, um, uh, we're mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds. And so this, this, this warfare, which is why we put on the whole armor of God, this warfare is because we've been elevated. So don't look at, some of you need to get this part right here, because this is, this is not the resurrected life. People who look up at their problems, who look up and see their problems, are not living the resurrected life. When you, when you discover the resurrected life, you understand where you're seated, and now you're looking down at your problems. And now you recognize that there are things that are underneath you that no longer can they control you or oppress you, but God has elevated you. So put on the whole armor of God so you, must, so you can withstand the wiles of the enemy. Because he doesn't have the power. Why? Because we've been elevated. We've been lifted up. Now, this is, again, this could be a whole other sermon, but when you think about the entirety of the book of Ephesians, if your warfare is not so good, look at the transformation piece. If, if, the, if you're not living and loving like Jesus, it's going to affect your warfare. And if you're struggling with living and loving like Jesus, go back to the worship piece. Go back to the, go back to the restoration piece. And what will that do? It'll get you centered again. Because the resurrected life is always centered, always moving, always going in that direction. But it's not just waiting for that. The thing that has saddened me most about the church in America over the last 20 years is, is so much of the church has bunkered down. Oh, if I can only make it until Jesus comes. I just want to take my nine and a half boot and put it right in the back of there. I mean, what I really do is I don't war like the world wars. I begin to pray. It doesn't mean my flesh doesn't want to do something either. But when you discover the resurrected life, you're on center. And so, Lord, I pray that you will help us to live the resurrected life this week. That, Lord, that we will discover every day that, Lord, you have a destination. But, Lord, you also have a destiny for the here and now. And that, Lord, it won't be the either or, but it'll be the both and. And that, Lord, you will help us to keep our eyes focused, looking ahead. Knowing, Lord God, that you have a hope that you've placed in our heart that is a living hope. And it's an active hope. I pray, Lord, that you will fill every person with that hope this morning. And that, Lord, when, they, when they're screaming down the hill on Wednesday afternoon, that, Lord, they'll be reminded by your spirit that, Lord, you've called them to a plan and a purpose. And that, Lord, they will live the resurrected life. And so we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hey, thank you again for joining us. We hope that our time together has been a blessing to you. And it doesn't have to end there. If you want to find last week's sermon, you can go to Facebook, YouTube, or you can listen to us on the audio podcast. You can let us know if you'd like to be further connected in a life group. But let me go ahead and pray as we close and say, God, thank you for being with us, Lord God. Thank you for helping us to carry your words, Lord God, and change our lives, Lord. Help us to carry your love to those around us. And we thank you for what you are doing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and thank you for being a part. We hope to see you soon.